Today, I want to talk about someone who lived over 2,000 years ago and taught some pretty radical ideas for the time that many would still consider radical today, who inspired jealousy in people of position and power, who was tried and put to death even though he didn't hurt anyone. No, I'm not talking about Jesus, but Socrates. Socrates, who lived 400 years before Jesus and has been one of the most influential figures of all time in the field of philosophy and wisdom, and I think much of Socrates' wisdom applies to today. I'm not trying to say Socrates was a divine being, but it's amazing when I think of all the things he and Jesus have in common, being that they probably are the two most influential people ever. Both are betrayed, put on trial, and die standing up for their beliefs. Neither were professionals. They didn't work in society, earn money, or write books. Jesus described himself as a fisher of men. Socrates described himself as a gadfly buzzing around a horse's behind. Jesus being a fisher of men because he could draw men out of their material thinking and into a spiritual rebirth. And Socrates a gadfly because he would annoy the hell out of you and make you feel like a complete ass. Since they didn't write that we know of, we only hear about Jesus and Socrates through others. There is something sad but also significant about this in that we often have what we might call lesser men telling us about the greatest of men. Jesus is spoken of through the Gospels, and his teachings are contained in miracle stories, aphorisms, and parables. Socrates' ideas are expressed primarily as dialogues written by the great philosopher Plato. One of my favorites is a dialogue Socrates has with a fellow named Euthyphro. Socrates is about to be put on trial for being an atheist and corrupting the youth, and Euthyphro is there to put his father on trial for murder. Why? One of his workers killed another worker, and the father had him bound and gagged while he sought counsel on what to do. The elements were fierce, and the man died in custody. Why are you putting your own father on trial? Socrates asks. Because it is the pious thing to do, Euthyphro says. Socrates, in his classic way, begins to question Euthyphro about what piety is. Euthyphro says that what he is doing is pious, putting his father on trial, because it's the right thing to do. Socrates points out that that may be an example of piety, but it's not what piety is. Euthyphro thinks for a bit and answers that piety is what is pleasing to the gods. But, Socrates questions, don't the gods disagree with each other sometimes? So Socrates continues to ask question after question, and Euthyphro gives answer after answer. And we realize, as a reader, that this piety, which this character seems to care so much about, so much that he could put his father to death for it, he really doesn't know what it is. And there in Socrates' work is an essential point of wisdom for all of us. Those values and ideas you strive for the most, do you really know what they are? Do you really know what love is? Do you really know what happiness is? Do you really know what integrity is? I can relate to this to my own life, chasing after things I didn't really have a clue about at the time, like love and success. Not knowing what love was, I imagined it something perfect that was easy and always sweet. Thus, I missed out on a lot of love. I followed it blindly, not knowing that real love took a lot of giving and surrendering and hard work and forgiveness and restraint. God, if I really knew what love is before I blindly not fell but jumped right into it, I may have looked a little longer before I leaped. Not knowing what success was, I imagined it something to do with my benefit and things happening just the way I wanted them to. Thus, I have missed out on a lot of success. I didn't know it at the time, that success isn't an ideal to follow or virtue to practice, but a result of truly knowing what your ideals are and truly doing your best to embody your virtues. I missed out on success because I thought it was supposed to be as I planned it, and didn't realize that when success works really well, it's better than you could have ever planned in the first place. 
and I've missed it as well, coming to realize that success isn't necessarily a measure of my own well-being, but of my ability to support others in realizing theirs. Although today, most of us think of Socrates not so much as spiritual but philosophical, his way is always to get us to focus on what matters in life and on the biggest ideas. If that's not spiritual, I don't know what is. Strong minds discuss ideas, he said. Aware minds discuss events. Weak minds discuss people. Go out with friends this weekend and think about that quote. Turn on the news tonight and think about that quote. Part of Socrates' brilliance is his bluntness. I think he would laugh to see his words on a Hallmark card or in an inspirational reading. Socrates, who has the courage not to care much for what you think of him, speaks much of his words sharply. He wants you to think, to know yourself. That is why he is probably best known for the statement, The unexamined life is not worth living. Socrates wants us to think about why life is the way it is, and seems to believe that wisdom is more in the examining than in the conclusions. I still may not fully know what love is, but I do know a little better now. I may not fully know what success is, but I think I know a little better now. Socrates' way was not to know, but to question. To find yourself, he said, you must think for yourself. It seems like it is commonplace to roll our eyes at someone who asks the big questions, to be annoyed by the child, or the adult Socrates who only asks why. I wonder why that is. Is it because we think there is no answer? Not only do I believe this is cynical, but it also underestimates the value of good conversation. As I mentioned before, Socrates is put on trial. In Athens, his jury had 501 people on it, and no trial could go longer than a day. Socrates questions the youth and views the idea that this is seen as corrupting them as an illness of the practical wisdom of society. Also, the idea that Socrates dishonors the gods is also against his own nature. Like Jesus, Socrates is a man of great commitment to principle and calling. The story of his trial reveals the ignorance and wrongs of the current court, and Socrates can't go along with them even if it means a short sentence and avoiding death. The jury votes Socrates guilty with a lot of laughter and jest, but when it comes to the penalty phase, Socrates refuses to take something simple like a fine. In fact, he requests lodging and that his meals be brought to him in the Pantheon. The jury must choose this or put Socrates to death by drinking the hemlock. The jury is, in a sense, forced by Socrates to make the worst of all decisions. Socrates is still teaching, says, No one knows whether death is really the greatest blessing a man can have, but they fear it is the greatest curse, as if they knew well. And his final words, And now it is time to go, I to die, and you to live. But which of us goes to a better thing is unknown to all but God. Socrates dies knowing himself. Do you know yourself? What are the essential values of your life? Now, what are these? The more you examine, the more you embody not just these qualities, but your truest self. You don't have to know just exactly what is perhaps unknowable, but to think about it, wonder about it, talk about it. This is not only the joy of living, but also the heart of wisdom.